Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Mudsock Youth Athletics Headquarters at Billerique Park. Today is Thursday, July 15th, 2021. And I'm with Scott Spilma, the Executive Director of the Mudsock Youth Athletics Organization. And uh, Scott, today is a typical summer day. It's almost 90 degrees, and the Splash Park here at Billerique Park is very busy. It is, yeah. It's great to see. We always like seeing these sunny days and green grass and kids outside having fun. And it's a good day for sports, playing all kinds of sports. Um, I went back and listened to the podcast we did just a little over a year ago. In fact, it was on June 3rd of 2020, over a year ago. Uh, We're here in person today. We were on Zoom then. Nobody was meeting in person to speak of at that time. Um, Let's face it, the fields were quiet a year ago, last summer. And I'm sure at that point, you wondered, as many of us did, when we would have sporting events again. I mean, we, the NBA started in a, in, a, in, a, in a quarantine situation where they were in a bubble and nobody could come or go. Uh, baseball was having, they were playing ball, but they had outbreaks left and right, even with the best of efforts. And so, you know, you did end up with the fall sports program. But I want to just ask you, when uh, we touched on this before we started even, uh, just before we started recording. But I want you to look back on that and, and just look at the past year on all the challenges you as a sports organization had to deal with for youth one particularly, uh, the challenges you have faced and how you and the people in your organization have uh, faced that challenge. Yeah, it's really crazy to think back, and I didn't even realize it had been just almost over a year since we last chatted. Yeah, uh, when we last chatted, it was really, what's fall sports going to look like? Are we going to have fall sports? What do winter sports look like? There were so many variables, and everything was up in the air. Fortunately, we have a great partnership with uh, the City of Fishers and the Fishers Health Department. Monica Heltz and her team are phenomenal, and... They came alongside us and said, you know, what are you thinking about offering? How are you going to do this? Asked all the right questions. We gave them all the information, and they gave us recommendations. We did our research. We talked with a lot of other medical professionals. We're fortunate with over 2,000 volunteers in our program. There are a few folks that work in the medical profession, so we're able to chat with them, get all of their feedback, and then it's really a testament to the Mudsock Youth Athletic staff. We came together and said, okay, our mission is to get the kids out on the fields, how do we do this? So we knew it was going to be different. We had to figure out a way to get a hold of a whole bunch of PPE. So we got a hold of masks. We got a hold of a lot of Lysol wipes and hand sanitizer. We loaded up all of our first aid kits with those. And then once we kind of got the green light that we thought we could have kids outside and still socially distanced but playing the sports, we opened registration in late June. And then we were able to get into the, the fall sports. Uh, I've joked a lot recently that 
uh, come next pandemic, I'll be really prepared. <laughs> but it was, well, that's really not funny, but it does strike one as funny to hear that. Right. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, I'm not, I'll knock on wood here that we don't ever have to face another one, but we have a robust policy and procedures manual. We have all these risk management policies that cover everything you can think of. But one of the things that was not in that playbook was how to handle a pandemic. So we were making up a lot of things on the fly. Uh, but because we had a lot of experts in our community, we are able to do the best we could. I asked the school superintendent who just recently retired, Alan Borif, about a year ago. I said, well, where in your Ph.D. program did you learn about pandemic management? He said, nowhere, which, of course, there's no way to, in youth athletics to be trained to deal with this. I want to talk a lot more about the sports part, but there's one other part that we discussed over a year ago, and I want to talk about that because I went back and listened to the podcast we did last year, and, and one thing that concerned you, and I think this was true of any nonprofit of any kind, you know, what was going to be the future of fundraising? Because at that time, the economy was also on its heels, and uh, you do have people in the business community helping you. They were helping as much as they could, but they were having their own issues. Well, now, here we are in a robust economy, at least for now. You know, businesses can't find enough employees. It's just a whole different situation. The state has just announced they're so flush with, with cash, they're going to refund money to people when they file their tax return next year with the, with the state. So it's a completely different situation. So tell us how, how fundraising has gone over this last year. It's something key for a, an organization such as yours. Yeah, so fundraising has been good. We, we were very unsure you know, coming out of March and through probably August of 2020, we were unsure if we were going to see any of our sponsors come back and see if we were going to be able to do any other, you know, donation requests, things of that nature. But we saw in the last quarter as everybody started kind of getting a handle of what was going on with the pandemic and we started seeing that the vaccinations were on the horizon, I think a lot of businesses started feeling good about community organizations. They knew that still giving back and investing in those types of things was going to be something that could be evergreen. So uh, not everybody could come back and we completely understand there's lots of businesses that are still being, you know, greatly affected by it. Uh, But we were fortunate. A lot of our partners stepped up and were able to meet the commitments. We either worked on kind of transferring over their agreements from 2020 and extending to 2021 or reworking new agreements. And uh, we've actually been able to bring on some new partners as well. I'm going to talk about at least one of those later on, but uh, one thing we discussed last year, and I I remember talking to you about this, about uh, how opening day for baseball and football is always such a big day in Fishers. And really, you take in the whole HSC school district, uh, which takes in Fishers and actually more of the area. Uh, And that's, that's who you bring into your fold. But last year, you had no opening day. You had no baseball. You had no softball. And that was tough for you, your staff, your volunteers, your players, and then the community. That just was, it was just not the same. So I want to ask you this year, how did it feel to be at that opening day in April? So it, it was different. And honestly, we still didn't get that true opening day feeling for baseball and softball that we have grown accustomed to. We at still in the spring, we were still a little cautious. So we had all the teams come together, but we didn't have the all the pomp and circumstance that we'd had in previous years. So we're hopeful for 2022 that everything will be back, that you know we'll have the parade for baseball, parade for softball, some, maybe some fireworks again at Bill Rickey Park. Uh, we're hopeful, though, for football, 
that they'll be able to have their uh, very similar jamboree that they have every year. Yeah, people forget April, we were still on the ropes, and there we're lucky because there are still parts of the country suffering. Southwest Missouri is in a terrible shape right now. So there are places that still are uh, pockets of America where so in, Indi- in Indiana we're doing relatively well. And, you know, Fishers has a, a vaccination rate of those eligible. I think it's last I saw it was approaching 76%. So, But that brings up another issue because you are a youth athletic league. And at this point, COVID vaccines are only available to those who are 12 years of age or over. I know that the uh, there is a lot of research and, and testing being done on on vaccinating younger people, but it's nowhere near ready to uh, to be rolled out. So, how does that complicate your policies and procedures? Yeah, it's it's very uh, very difficult to come up with a you know panacea for everything because there's so many variables that we're dealing with. We expect. If since, like you mentioned, the vaccination rate across Fishers is very high, we expect the kids 12 and older to kind of fall in line. And when they're eligible, they'll be able to do it and we'll have similar percentages. But our bread and butter is really kind of that age six to age 12. And we're not sure when that vaccination is going to come out and if people are going to feel comfortable for their kids to take it. There's a lot more questions when it comes to the young kids. And I know. The big emphasis has been to get the kids back into elementary schools and intermediate schools, and we want them to be able to be out in the fields and in the courts. But it's uh, it's a big consideration. So we feel very comfortable with the policies that we have in place for outdoor sports. We'll still evaluate as we get closer to winter time. We know we're we're watching with one eye the Delta variant. It, you know, it's not going away. So uh, we'll make sure that we work with the Fisher's Health Department to do what's best for all of our kids in our community. I mean, it's. Look at other parts of the world, too, who have not had the vaccination rates we've had generally, and it's still a very serious problem there. So the pandemic is not over, but uh, at least we can say locally it's it's better than it is in most places. People forever generally felt comfortable uh, getting the vaccine. Uh, I have to ask you about your name change. It's what, about a year and a half old now? Uh, you were, as, as everybody know, probably knows, if not, if you're new to the, or, to the area, you probably don't know this. In 1987, this organization was named HSC Sports. Sports was an acronym. I won't get into all that. But it was to try to let people know that it, it's a Fishers-based organization, but anyone in HSC school district could participate, which, as I mentioned before, is a larger area than, than just Fishers. It takes in all the Fishers, but even more than that. You did a branding change. It's now HS. I'm sorry. It's, it's Mudsock Youth Athletics, and you took the HSC out of it. I'm sure that there was probably some confusion about the, the school system. People thought because HSC is the name of the school corporation, you were somehow tied in. You have a partnership with them, but you are a, an independent a nonprofit from them. So, um, with that in mind, how has that branding change worked out for you? I think it's gone great. We've received a lot of compliments. We love that it ties into the history of the town of Fishers and the HSC school district. I think even if you're new to the area, one of the first things you probably hone in on is the Mudsock football game between the two high schools. So then it really just clicks in. Oh, Mudsock Youth Athletics. Oh, there's a kind of a synergy. It goes right up the line up to the high school level. Uh, We joked, uh, again, trying to make light of having to deal with some of the more morbid nature of a pandemic, but if we were going to do it all over again, would we have rolled out a new name three months before everybody was going to go into their houses and not play sports? Probably not, but we actually had a great opportunity to connect via social media and via communication. I don't think our communication was 
has ever been better than when we were all kind of in our houses and still working. So I think the branding actually went out even more than it would have because it could have been very possible we got lost in the weeds of league operations and coach emails and getting kids through baseball practice and softball practice that people may not have realized. So we took those kind of three or four months to really work on that branding and getting it out there. And we hear from so many people, we had no idea that when we were competing with our the fire the track league that that was also the same organization that offers soccer in the spring so it's pretty cool yeah you you and i went into it a lot of detail last year about uh, what the word mud sock means i'll just say for people who are new to the area it goes back to fishers being a swamp in the late 1800s when the whole area was settled and people had mud on their socks it was a pretty blue collar place at that time to be sure um, as I mentioned earlier, Mudsock is an independent nonprofit, uh, but uh, you could not exist if you didn't partner with a couple of very important uh, entities. One would be the Fishers Parks Department and, of course, the HSE School District. If they didn't provide the facilities, you, know, you could not uh, run these, these leagues. So uh, We've talked about this before, but I think it's always important to, uh, to mention how important that partnership is to have youth sports in this area. Yes, absolutely. We cannot say enough great things about Fishers Parks and HSC schools. Sarah Sanquist and all of her team at Fishers Parks do a phenomenal job of working with us to be able to schedule out all the parks. They have a great vision for all the Fishers Parks, and they're always thinking about how this affects youth athletics anytime they're improving or adding a new park the dpw department eric steiner and juan puente they those are the two that really manage all of our fields and they're immaculate we always say people don't really understand how good we have it in fishers how nice all of our ball fields and diamonds really are and we couldn't offer the you know the level of programming that we do without having the great fields and then hsc schools is another great partner that we couldn't do it without them. They are so great with letting us connect uh, via marketing through their school newsletters. So, you know, our kids are their kids and it's really hard to reach people these days when there's so many options out there. You know, it's not just youth sports. There's arts, there's dance, there's, there's podcasting for kids. There's uh, video games. E-gaming is becoming huge. So for us to be able to reach those kids in the schools and then be able to utilize the facilities as well, both outdoor and indoor, uh, we re- we could not do it without both those partnerships. And that leads me uh, to the next question I have. And this has to do with your involvement in a group headed up by Fisher City Councilman Todd Zimmerman. I recently did a podcast with him on where this is all at. He is involved with a lot of people such as yourself in the community looking at a new community center for Fishers. Now, as I understand it, that would include facilities not only for sports, but the arts, and and, and and there's a lot that would be going into this. And and if uh, this comes out the way it looks like it's beginning to come together, this is going to be a pretty spectacular facility. So tell me how that, uh, how you envision this. I mean, I know the the plans are not, complete and there's nothing to announce here today and I know neither one of us are in a position to, to know that but I do know enough to know that uh, there's uh, this is going to change the landscape of sports and arts as they're done in Fishers and just like to get your early views on all this 
Yeah, I'll, I'll say when I see the update from from your website, Larry, I'll I'll know the most information. <laughs> but uh, yes, we've uh, had lots of great conversations with with Todd, and I was part of a steering committee that the city um, created to really try to get some feedback from all the different organizations within our community. And you're right, there's lots of opportunity for youth sports and just uh, outdoor and indoor activity for kids. It doesn't even have to be specifically sports related; just play related. I think it's a it would be a great community asset. Uh, I think we've got so many great parks and outdoor facilities that it only makes sense that an indoor facility would kind of round out the offerings. And uh, I love and uh, there were so many great people that were on the steering committee. The fact that we're going to tie in the arts and culture to it because I think they all go hand in hand. We we surprise people sometimes in our office when people are like, "Well, what do you think? Should my child play?" basketball and try out for the school play or should they just focus on playing basketball you know i really want them to be good at basketball and we always say no have them do both we ultimately want the kids to have fun and if they enjoy both those things do both those things that could be a lesson in time management to to do both of them but then do your school work but there are there are young people who do that. I've done some volunteer work myself, and, and I've noticed uh, some of these high school kids who get involved in really time. Uh, I mean, how should I put this? It just uses tremendous amount of time to do the project they're academically doing, and still they'll be going off to practice that same day or later that day. So it is amazing how that can happen. And I think, you know, talking with Todd, one thing he did tell me on the podcast I did with him is that in the past— the, the arts community was a little skeptical because they always felt like, okay, sports is always going to be number one. And I think he, and, and you would be aware of this if you're in the meetings, he has tried to tell me that, that he's tried to reassure the arts community. We want to take care of sports. We want to have indoor and outdoor facilities. This is going to be a large facility as it's being envisioned, but we don't want the arts to take second place. We want both sports and arts to have uh, the same sort of, of emphasis. Have you been hearing the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, it speaks to how great of a community Fishers is when you have that. There shouldn't be a, you know, an A and a B. It should be one A, one B. And I think that's how it, that community center could be with both youth sports and adult sports and anything in between and any arts and culture that can be offered. And with uh, a community center that could have indoor and maybe even some outdoor, outdoor sports facilities, no final decisions have been made on that yet. But this could have a major impact on your organization if that does come to fruition, right? I, I think it definitely could. We, you know, we haven't had those conversations yet, but as a, a partner of the city and with HSC schools, I definitely think that we could help in any way that they need us to. And uh, some people could envision you and the Parks Department maybe even being in the same. I mean, you love Billericay Park, but maybe someday you would be in the same place uh, where you could uh, work together, and not just uh, virtually, but uh, in the same physical presence. Yeah. It, I mean, I know there's no decision, but that's always a possibility of the future, right? Yeah. I, I mean, we would love it. We work with Sarah Sanquist and her team all the time. You know, we're regularly in communication with them. So if they were across the hallway as opposed to down the road that would be fine by us well you with a year off summer sports uh, spring or summer however you want to d- define that just uh, you've touched on this earlier tell us more uh, how are the, the the sports going on right now so we're we're actually getting to uh kind of the end of the spring and summer sports we've still got some of our travel baseball and softball competing uh, but we're really gearing up for fall and it's always funny to think of it's 
you know, July 15th, like you said, and we're thinking fall sports, but uh, that's just kind of how we categorize them. So our football league just started their first official practices this week. So they're out at Mudsock Fields, the third through sixth graders. So we've got our third graders that for the first time in their helmets and, and pads getting situated with that. And then we've got, you know, our, our veterans, the fifth and sixth graders who've been in that for a while, running around Mudsock again, feeling good about it. And then by August 1st, we'll pretty much have all of our fall sports back underway. And we've been very fortunate. I think a lot of people were in a better position come this fall than they were last time, either you know professionally, personally, and just feeling comfortable with where we are as a community with community spread and vaccination rates, that we actually have a record registration numbers for, for fall. Since I've been here and as far back as I can go, we've never seen fall registration numbers where we are right now. And uh, how long uh, does fall registration go? So we'll still take registrations. We've got a, a bunch of wait lists at this point. Okay. Be- just because of how many people, uh, the response we've had. Uh, but we've still got some openings in soccer, uh, cross country, field hockey. And there will be a couple more uh, fall sports that are going to actually come on here in August. We don't normally have fall sports register in August. We usually reserve that for our winter sports for basketball. But lacrosse is going to be offering a few more things. So we're hoping to get... If you've got a kid that wants to get a fall sport, there'll at least be one option out there for you, even come August. Now, last year, you did say field hockey would be a new offering. How did that go? Yeah, field hockey is great. So this is we're on year three now, and this is our first year of the field hockey league being completely run by Fisher's residents and, and parents. The first two years, we had a partnership with the Crossroads Field Hockey Club. It was a bunch of women who had played collegiately at IU who loved field hockey, were passionate and grew up playing field hockey in their communities and other states, and they were just baffled to find out that Indiana had no youth field hockey. So they're still helping us coach, but they're going around central Indiana. They're trying to find other organizations they can partner with, so we're excited to see they've got those programs growing. But every year we've had about 30 kids, and half those kids have now gone to Westfield, Carmel, other places, Brownsburg, to form their leagues, and we still have 35 kids signed up this year. So field hockey is growing for sure. Now, I looked on your website. Did I actually see something about rugby? Tell me about that. Yeah, so our rugby league is uh, it's highly rated, one of the best in the state, and that um, that's subject, uh, subjective usually, but objectively, the our eighth-grade team won the state championship we actually had six individuals that actually went off to a usa rugby camp uh essentially a showcase where the national coaches look at these players to possibly identify them for down the road for either college play or maybe even olympic play so um we've we've been fortunate that there's been a lot of great leaders and champions of rugby over the last 10 to 15 years and we have over 100 kids that usually play with us in the spring and then in the fall we offer the rugby sevens which is the faster paced smaller uh, amount of kids on the field and that's what you'll be seeing in the olympics here in a couple weeks yeah it's true that it is an olympic sport uh, but if you've never seen rugby you're in for a treat <laughs> It is, it is an amazing sport to see. And uh, actually, my doctor, she uh, had a son who played rugby, and she was a volunteer physician. You have to have uh, doctors and, and, and uh, medical professionals close by. It's a very rough sport, and you don't wear a lot of equipment like you do in football and some other sports. But it's if it's played the right way, you can still played relatively safely but you're still going to have injuries like like in any sport yeah any sport could could have them but that rugby the great thing about it is they really focus on the proper tackling technique and to your point when you you're not wearing football equipment 
you take it takes one tackle where you don't do it the right way and you really don't want to do it that way again so uh once you've learned the right techniques it can be very safe and very fast paced and fun to watch I think if you want to know more about rugby, uh, just uh, find a movie. I think it was called Invictus. It was a, the movie about the South African rugby team, which was not considered a, a, a world power at all. But they had the world tournament in South Africa, and they unexpectedly won the tournament. And it's it's, it's quite a story. And you, they get down and dirty into how rugby is played if you really want to see how it's played and, and see a good movie at the same time. You recently... Uh, at, here at uh, Mudsock Youth Athletics announced a new partnership with the Methodist Sports Medicine. So talk about that. Yeah, we were so excited to partner with them, uh, actually bringing in rugby and football. Uh, one of the things that we're always looking for is to have a partnership with a medical provider that can provide us athletic trainers at our fields so that we have make sure that we have somebody on site in case anything does go poorly or we need some attention. We always have scrapes and bruises at Every sporting event we have is inevitable, but uh, it's always nice to have medical professionals as opposed to relying on uh, a first aid kit. We, get, we have something a little bit more. So uh, for the past couple of years, we've been engaging in different uh, conversations, and Methodist kind of bubbled up to the one that really was a great fit. They were looking to dive into the community. They have a new uh, facility that's up at the Finch Creek Fieldhouse. It's not too far from most of our facilities, and it was really just a, a perfect fit. So they're the, our new uh, exclusive orthopedic provider. Um, they're going to be offering the athletic training to all of our sports, and they're going to start providing some other uh, articles and information about how best to re- rehab when you do have an injury and how to prevent injuries through our newsletter and through coaches' meetings. And orthopedics is key to the kind of injuries, not totally, but you tend to see in youth athletics, correct? Absolutely. Well, those are the questions uh, that I have. Anything you would uh, like to add before we wrap this up? Yeah, the only other thing I'd love to share is that I I think we may have mentioned it in a a previous chat, but uh, we were kind of backlogged on some plans that we had from 2019, uh, but we're now executing. So one of the initiatives that we had at the end of 2019 was to really commit to free play. So we obviously have three registration periods of programming, but we also really feel strongly that kids should just go out and play and be kids. So one of the ways that we're committed to that is we're going to be installing free play boxes at parks across the city this year. Uh, We've identified the AMP, the Nickel Plate District Amphitheater, so when concerts are going on, uh, Holland Park, Cumberland Park, and Cynthia Ann Park. And the best way I can describe it is to think of uh, your local free library that maybe you see in a neighborhood or uh, down a street on a walking path. Instead of it being books that can be taken out and checked out, it's going to be sports equipment. So we're going to have uh, bats, balls, gloves, frisbees, anything you can think of so that if a family goes out to one of those parks or they're out at a concert and they're like, man, it would be great if I could have a catch right now or it'd be really fun if we had a football to throw around. We're going to have that equipment in there. So we've been fortunate. We've had a lot of volunteers from our programs donate some gently used equipment from their kids. We went out and purchased some more. Fisher's Parks has donated some as well from their camps. And we're actually excited. We The, the first uh, free play box is going to be delivered here today. So we're going to get that installed here by the end of the month. And then we're going to try to have them all done by the end of the summer. I just remember all the neighborhood uh, sporting events we had when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, we were lucky to find a ball and a bat, you know, and, or wiffle ball if we were playing wiffle ball. We, it was a popular sport at that. We're a football in the fall. So uh, this is that's a great idea. So we'll have to see how that 
how that works out. Scott Spillman, you are the executive director here at the Mudsock Youth Athletics Organization. Always a pleasure to speak with you, and thank you so much for carving out some time for me today. Yeah, thank you, Larry. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate, and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Music